All right, can we give it up for our worship team one more time? Like, truly, you guys are incredible. You're awesome. Every single week, they help me to remember how powerful God is in my life, how good God is to me every single day. I mean, they give me the words to say back to God that often I can't really figure out to say for myself. You're like, "Mm, I don't think you ever run out of words. I do. Sometimes I don't know what to say to God. And so when they lead us in these songs and they give us these powerful, poetic words that we can offer back up to God. It's just a way that they lead us to express our gratitude and our worship of our Heavenly Father. Now, if you've never served on our worship team before, it might surprise you to learn that every single one of the people that you see here on stage on Sunday mornings are all volunteers. We don't pay anybody for what they do musically here at the church. So that means that they give a lot of time and energy to connect. I mean, you might look at them and say, yeah, they play a 15-minute set on Sundays, and that's kind of it. No, you don't know the half of it if all you think they do is just these three short songs on Sunday mornings. So we ask all of our worship team to practice on their own, at home, by themselves. And usually our worship team members will spend anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours every single week in their bedroom or in their garage, turning the amp way down and playing so they don't disturb the neighbors, but they're practicing on their own, usually a couple hours each week. You say, are they really practicing for two hours? I bet they're probably only practicing for like 20, 30 minutes. At my old church, they didn't even practice at all. I'm telling you guys, these these guys practice. And part of the reason why is because you might not have ever paid attention to this, but we require our musicians and our vocalists to memorize everything they play and sing on Sunday mornings because we want them to lead us in music. We don't want them reading music. You ever been to a church service where the dude's up there playing the bass and his eyes are on the chord chart the whole time and no movement or anything? He's just focused on reading along the way. We want our worship team to lead us as a congregation in worship. And they do a phenomenal job at it. You guys are really, really great. They spend two hours on their own usually practicing at home. Then they come to a rehearsal every Thursday night, 90 minutes in my basement, and they're rehearsing together so that they can take what they practiced individually and put it together with the other people on the team. Then on Sundays, these guys show up at 7 a.m., and they don't leave until noon p.m., That was probably redundant. They don't leave until noon, right? Like five extra hours. So if you were to count it all up, our worship team members, they all spend about seven to 10 hours a week volunteering so that they can use their gifts and talents to help us encounter God and so that they can praise God with what he's given them. That's incredible. Can we give it up for them one more time? Truly. Like, I'm amazed, you guys. I am totally and completely amazed by how much effort you put into our worship services. Now, this might also be a good time for me to give you a little pastoral challenge. This might be a good time for me to say, those of you who usually kind of skip out on worship a little, maybe you hang out and grab some coffee because music's not really your thing, or you're running late and you're thinking to yourself, ah, it's just the music, it's okay if I miss it. It's not okay. Worship is good for your soul. It is something that God commands from people, and it's something that would be to your benefit. And because our worship team spends so much time preparing and really investing their time and talent so that you can have a worship experience, I'll just challenge you to make it a priority to be here by the first note of every song every single Sunday and to support these guys with both our presence and our engagement in the worship service, okay? Lecture over. I'm not going to lecture you anymore, but I just 
just be like, man, they do such a good job. And it's a shame that too many of you think, ah, I can wander in late and it's not that big of a deal. You're missing out on something very powerful. Now, yeah, preach for the worship team's like, yes, finally. All right. Another thing that you might not know about our band is that the entire time they are up here on stage, they are hearing voices in their head. <laughs> Every single time, including just a few moments ago, when they were all up here playing, they were hearing something that nobody else in the crowd was hearing. There was a voice playing inside of their ears that was keeping them in time and making sure that they stay in order as they play together. Did you know that? Some of you might have caught that at some point in the past. Some of you are like, what is this guy even talking about? Let me give you a peek behind the scenes. Can I do that? Can I show you what our band is actually hearing when they're up here playing on stage? I'll start with what you and I hear, okay? You and I typically hear this, right? We hear the music. I'm playing DJ today, DJ Dan in the house. This failed in the first service, so I'm hoping this goes well. All right, so we hear the music, right? That's what you and I hear. The band, though, hears the music, and they hear... Verse 1. Why? Because there's a guide. There's a voice that's keeping them in time. There's a voice that's keeping them in rhythm with each other. There's a voice that's telling them the next thing you're supposed to play is the chorus so that everybody goes to the same place at the same time. We only hear this, they hear this. The voice that is leading and guiding them so Verse that they one. get where they're supposed to go each and every Sunday. Now, I think that actually forms a pretty interesting illustration of the verses that we're going to read this morning. This is the final message in our series called A Way Out. So we're going to wrap it up this morning. And what I want you to know is that in the same way, every single time our band is up here playing and they're hearing this click in their ears, you know, more cowbell. Every time, just as they're up here hearing this in their ears, I want you to know that every single day, God's Spirit is speaking to you. His voice is calling you to walk in rhythm with Jesus and to follow His guidance and leadership in every moment of every single day. And I'll just tell you, this whole series is designed to help you overcome temptation because we're all caught in this cycle of thoughts and speech and behavior. We know we shouldn't do, but we end up doing it anyway, and we have regrets, and we'd like to not do these things anymore, but we can't quite seem to break free. And what we're going to find out from the passages that we're going to read today is that if you want to overcome temptation, if you want to choose good instead of evil, if you want to do the right thing instead of the easy thing, if you want to follow after Jesus in your life, then it's going to require you to start to hear a voice that is speaking to you every single day. But so far, you didn't even know that this voice was speaking to you and speaking over you. So by the end of today's message, I'm going to do everything I can to help you hear God's voice speaking to you throughout Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and for the rest of your days to come. I'm going to read you a passage that's written by a guy named Paul. If you're not familiar with Paul, he was a leader in the early church. He was kind of like, um, he started out hating Christians and then he became one. It's a really interesting and cool story. But after he became a Christian, he became a leader in the early church. He was a pastor, a church planter, and he writes something in the book of Romans that is so honest and so encouraging to me. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. You didn't even know this stuff was in the Bible. Look at what Paul says here when it comes to his battle 
with temptation and sin and doing the right things and the wrong things. Look at what Paul says. He says, I don't really understand myself, you guys. I don't get it. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Paul says, I want to do what's right, but I can't seem to. I want to do what is good, but I don't. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can you guys relate to that? I don't know about you, but this guy is like basically writing my biography at this point. You know, it's like, I know what I should do and I can't make myself do it. I know I should say no and I always end up saying yes. I've gone through these times where I got it right, but it seems like more often than not, I keep getting it wrong. What's wrong with me? Paul goes on to say, I have discovered this principle of life that when I do what, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, Paul says, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. It is leading me to do the wrong thing all the time. He says, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Yeah, I've been there too. God, why do I keep doing this? I know better, man, and I was so sure I wasn't gonna fall into this trap again. Paul says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he gets a revelation, something that you may need to hear as well. Thank God, because the answer to what you and I are looking for is Jesus Christ, our Lord. I mean, look, even if you're not a religious person, you could totally relate to what Paul is saying here. You could say, yep, there is a cycle of things that I've done in my life and I've tried to be free from it, but I can't quite seem to get it right. I often seem to get it wrong. I choose the wrong thing. I choose the unhealthy thing. I choose the stupid thing. I do all of these things that I wish I didn't and I can't quite seem to get it right. I'll just tell you, like, I find great encouragement from the fact that these heroes of the faith, these people whose stories are included in the Bible, they got it wrong just as much as I did. I really find that encouraging to know that Paul struggled in the exact same way that I do. And you should find it encouraging too, because we're all in the same boat. We're all fighting this same battle. And the answer for each one of us is exactly the same. Let me show you something else that Paul said that I think you'll find really, really helpful this morning. In Galatians chapter number five, Paul is writing a letter to some Christians. And I want you to pay attention to what he says here in verse number 16. Galatians 5, 16 Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit, what? Guide. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. According to Paul, okay, according to this guy, the Holy Spirit is present in your life. He is speaking to you day in and day out. He is trying to guide you in the direction that God wants you to go. It's a little bit like there's this click track that's going on in your life saying, this is the tempo that I want you to walk at. And in the same way that there's a little voice saying, verse two, dummies, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I want you to help this person. Hey, I want you to draw close to God. Hey, I want you to read the Bible. Hey, I want you to do good in the world. I want you to whatever. The Holy Spirit is speaking in your life. And as often, according to Paul anyway, as often as we follow this voice that's constantly speaking and guiding us, 
We'll be able to overcome temptation. We'll be able to say no to the things that we should say no to. We'll be able to live this life overflowing that Jesus promised to each one of us. Now, for some of you, what I just said sounds incredibly kooky. (laughs) You're like, uh, Dan, I have never heard God's voice in my head. And in fact, I'm pretty certain that hearing voices in your head is proof that you are a mentally unstable person. So right now I'm basically confirming everything that you believed about Christians. You're like, these dudes are nuts, man. They're talking about hearing voices and things like that. Here's what I want you to know. You actually have God's spirit speaking to you in the same way that I have God's spirit speaking to me each and every day. Do you know, you you might say, well, you're a pastor, Dan. Of course you hear God's voice. When I got ordained, when I became a pastor, I didn't get any secret cheat codes to follow Jesus. You know what I mean? It's like A, B, A, B, up, down, start, and suddenly I hear God's voice clearly. No, God speaks to me in exactly the same way, at exactly the same volume as he speaks to every single one of you, at least those of you who follow Jesus. God is speaking to you and Paul acknowledges how wacky that sounds. He acknowledges how nutty it is that we would believe God's spirit was speaking to us. So he says in verse number 16, trust it, believe it. God's spirit is guiding you. So allow, let, follow, hear God's voice as he guides you. But in verse number 17, Paul's gonna go on to explain why it is that most of us have trouble hearing God's voice. You say, I've never heard God. What would God even sound like? He's gonna explain at least part of the reason why you've never understood that God was speaking to you before. So look at verses 17 and 18 here. We'll put them on the screen. Paul says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But he says, when you're directed by the spirit, you're not under obligation to follow the law of sin. Paul says, look, you've got good intentions. I know it, you know it, God knows it. You wanna do the right thing, but you're not quite able to do the right thing. Why is it that you can't hear and understand and obey God's leading in your life. At least part of the reason is because you have multiple different voices that are speaking over you and into you every single moment of the day. Do you realize that? Paul says here, you've got a voice on the inside, a sinful nature voice. You've got the voice of the Holy Spirit. We could easily expand this to talk about all sorts of voices that are constantly competing for our attention and our obedience. In fact, there are so many of these voices that are speaking at you constantly every single moment of the day that it becomes easy for the voice of the Holy Spirit to be drowned out. Because there are lots of other voices that will speak loud. They'll shout at you. They'll do their best to convince you. God is constantly there speaking quietly, gently. Hey, Kim, this is what I called you to. Hey, Dan, this is the man I need you to be. Hey, Steve, this is the husband you're supposed to be. Hey, Sam, this is the employee I want you to be. He's calling us to walk in rhythm with him. But because of all the other noise in our life, we are completely unable to hear it. It'd be a little bit like this. And by the way, this is where things broke down in last service. So let's see if it works this time. Let's say we've got this click. We've got the music. This is the rhythm that God is calling you to walk in, right? Walk in time with that. And then let's say we start adding in other voices. We start playing things that are off tempo. Chorus. Things that don't fit. Things that don't mix. It starts getting ugly. Wait, what am I listening to? 
Which one am I supposed to follow? Whose voice is in charge here? Which which temp? Verse one. Instrumental. See, they, they don't even know where they're going. Am I at the verse? Am I at the instrumental? Who even knows? Now look, that was two tracks. That was two voices. Can you imagine having 30 voices in your head? Yeah, you can, because you have 30 voices that are constantly trying to get your attention and your obedience. And the amazing thing is these voices are all saying opposite things and they're pulling you in a hundred different directions. No wonder we can't hear God's voice. There's so much noise and we couldn't possibly pick out the voice that's been speaking to us since the very day we were born. So what are we going to do? Like I told you, I want to help you to hear God's voice. I want you to pick out that true spirit voice that's speaking to you throughout the day in the middle of everything else. Let's go back one, sorry. Um, What can you do in order to get there? How can you hear from God? Well, first off, you've got to start with the recognition that God actually is speaking to you. In the middle of all the chaos and noise, guess what? Later today, God's Holy Spirit is going to be talking to you, speaking to you, trying to get your attention, trying to nudge you in a specific direction. And for some of you, you've never considered this before. You thought, well, I'm not even a Christian, so God would never speak to me. That's not true. I'm not a pastor, so I couldn't hear God's voice. That's not true. God's spirit is actually at work in our world, and he's trying to gain the attention of every single one of us, including you. Now, I want to help you to understand what God's voice sounds like, because some of you are like, oh, you're telling me that I'm going to hear an audible voice That is so bizarre. No, that's not what I'm telling you, okay? So the voice of God is not like an audible voice that you hear inside of your ears. That's not at all what God's voice sounds like. In fact, maybe even voice or the idea of hearing, that could be a little bit of a confusing metaphor because what I've experienced anyway, I have never heard God speak with an audible voice. Maybe some of you have, but he's never spoken to me. I don't know if he's got a deep voice or I just don't even know, okay? Never heard in that sense, but God's voice has certainly been present in my life, and I've experienced it as like a prompting, you know, just a little nudge. It's something that I'm like, why am I feeling like I should go help this person or give them money? I need money. Why in the world would I help them, right? But it's this nudge to do something, to go in the direction that God wants me to be. The voice of God in your life, it it could feel like a reminder of a verse. Maybe you're going throughout your day and a verse pops into your head and you're like, what the heck? I didn't even know I had any Bible verses memorized. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit, bringing something to your mind that God wanted you to know in that minute. Maybe the voice of the Holy Spirit is like you feel drawn in some way or connected to God, maybe during worship or at some other point in your week. And you're like, what is this? Where is this? even coming from that's actually the holy spirit he's speaking to you and he's trying to work and gain your attention maybe the voice of the holy spirit will sound like a conviction in your heart that you said and did the wrong thing oh i was a jerk to her i should go apologize i told you last week that was exactly what i did to my wife and i had to go apologize because i said something mean right that was the holy spirit saying dan come on that's not who i called you to be come on walk in line with me get it right and then get back on track with me the voice of the Holy Spirit, it sounds a little like your conscience, but it's something other. It's in you, but it's not really from within you, if that makes sense. It's not of you. It is something that's calling you deeper to follow after God. 
So, the more practice you get, the more you'll be able to pick up the voice of the Spirit amidst all the noise in your life, and you actually will be able to recognize the voice of God's Spirit as it is speaking to you. I'm going to give you a declaration, and this is something that is true for every single one of us, but for some of you, this is like the starting point. This is step one. I need to hear the Spirit's voice. I need to hear the Spirit's voice. So turn to your neighbor and say, I hear voices in my head. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we need to hear this voice. There are voices, not in the silly, you know, way that we might be joking about, but there are voices and I need to hear this one. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pause for just a moment, and I want to lead you in a prayer. This is a way that you can ask God to open your ears, to start to hear his spirit speaking to you from this day on. So I'll just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Even if you think this is total baloney, let me pray it over you, okay? God, give me ears to hear your voice more clearly than all the other noise in my life. God, Would you give me ears to hear your voice more clearly than all the other noise in my life? And just because I need this prayer a little more, I'm going to say it once more. God, give me ears to hear your voice more clearly than all the other noise in my life. Not only do you need to hear the voice of God, but you need to believe the voice of God as well. A couple of weeks ago after the sermon, one of the ladies in our church named Barbara Corbell, there's a picture of her on the screen when she was killing it at our five for five service earlier last year. Um, Barbara pulled me aside and we started talking about the sermon and overcoming temptation and having victory over the things that tend to weigh us down. And she said something that was so good. It was obvious to me in the moment that God's spirit was speaking to me and saying, Dan, this needs to make its way into one of the messages to come in this series. Barbara said, one of the biggest keys she ever, to, she ever discovered to overcoming temptation, to gaining victory in different areas of her life that had been holding her down. It wasn't just hearing God's voice, but it was learning to believe God's voice and what it said in her life. Because let's be honest, when we're caught up in a cycle of sin and destructive behavior and stupid addiction that we cannot get free of, we will start to believe the voice of our enemy who says things like, you are such a screw-up. Seriously, you can't do anything right. You're a fake. You don't belong at church on Sunday. If these people knew what you've been up to, if they knew what was in your heart, if they knew the doubts, if they knew the hate, if they knew the anger, if they knew, they would never welcome you. You don't belong here, and these people wouldn't want anything to do with you. You're such a sinner, God doesn't want anything to do with you. Seriously, you are broken. You are flawed. There's something right about everybody else, but there is something seriously wrong with you. And even God, your creator, he wouldn't want anything to do with you. It is so easy for that voice to be picked up in our mind. Maybe just because that voice is louder. Maybe we get it from multiple different angles. I don't know. But man, too many people walk around to the pace of that voice. You're nothing. You'll never be nothing. You couldn't do anything. You're worthless. You have no value. Nobody would want you. God would turn his back on you. But the voice of the Spirit of God speaks a totally different truth over your life. And you don't need to listen to that voice. You need to listen to the voice of God. 
Can I read you this passage? And I want you to just soak it in. I really want you to take this to heart. It's so very important. Romans chapter number eight, verses 15 through 17. Paul says this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You've thought your whole life Christians were Christians because the church manipulated them and the threat of punishment and hell and all that. Paul says, "Uh uh-uh. People who become Christians, they become Christians because they have received a spirit that has set them free. He says, instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. So now we call him Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa, He is my heavenly father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, Paul says, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Listen, you are not a screw up. You are not beyond redemption. You are not worthless. In Jesus, you are no longer a sinner. That's not your primary identity. Your primary identity is a son and daughter of God. You've been adopted into his family. You might be a saint who occasionally sins, but God has totally transformed you. Old things have passed. All things are made new. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There is the voice of the enemy, and he is constantly trying to pull you off tempo and rhythm and guidance from God. And I hope that you recognize how dangerous it is to believe that voice. Did you know the word Satan, that that actual name, it means accuser. That's actually what that word means. In Revelation chapter number 12, Satan is called the accuser of the believers because that voice is constantly accusing you. You're never gonna get it right. You're no good. You can't get beyond this. Nothing will ever go the way you want it to. But I want you to keep this truth in mind. And I'm so grateful that Barbara reminded me of this. My identity is not defined by my accuser. My identity is defined by my Savior. So I'm going to listen to that voice, the voice that calls me son, the voice that says, okay, you're off tempo, but I'm not going to throw you away. Come back to me. Come back to me. Let's give this another go. I still love you. You're still my son. I sent my son to die for you so I could adopt you as a new son along with my old son. This voice is constantly speaking over every single one of us. My friends, I need to believe the Spirit's voice. It's not just enough to hear it, because you might hear it and not believe it. Can you imagine if one of our band members, uh, Ryan, I'm not going to pick up your guitar because I'll drop it and then that would be terrible. But like, let's say Ryan's up here playing electric guitar for us and stuff like that, and he hears the voice in his head that says verse 2. And he's like, I'm not doing verse 2, I'm going to the bridge. And he starts going crazy. It would be a train wreck. It would be a mess, right? He could hear the voice and choose not to obey it. It's important not only that we hear, but also that we obey the Spirit of God. Now, I want to pray. Sorry, let's go back. Just one. Sorry. (laughs) I want to pray for a moment. I just want to lead you in a prayer, and this is a prayer of confession. It's a prayer of praise. It's a prayer that, honestly, I just, I wish you could come to believe this. I really do. So I'll lead you in it. God, I accept and embrace what you say is true of me. And I reject any voice that says otherwise. I am who you say I am. God, I accept and I embrace what you say is true of me. 
and I reject any voice that says otherwise. I am who you say I am. Okay, you've got to hear the Spirit's voice. You definitely have to um, believe the Spirit's voice, but you need to obey the Spirit's voice. This is the last part of it. I mean, you've got to learn to actually do what the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. You've got to obey in addition to all these other things. Now, we've got to be really careful here, okay, because this is where, honestly, a lot of people get it wrong. This is where a lot of churches get it wrong because we start talking about being obedient to God, following his commands, following his leading, doing the right thing instead of the wrong thing, saying no to sin, all that. And it's very important. But if we're not careful, we can subtly imply or we can unconsciously start to believe that God loves us if we are obedient, that God loves us if we say no, and he hates us, or at least he's pretty angry with us if we get it wrong, if we end up saying yes when we should say no. This is not at all, though, what the Bible teaches. God does not hate us when we're bad and love us when we're good, as if it all depends on what we're doing. Remember what Paul said, you have been adopted into God's family, because of his grace and his love. You have been selected and you have been embraced, not because of anything in you, but because of God's nature, because of who he is. I'll remind you of something I've said. This has been the bottom line for like 12 of my messages because if there's anything that I would love for you to remember that I've said, like 20 years from now, you're like, I don't remember what that guy was talking about, but this one thing has always stuck with me. I would love it if you would remember this. God's love is is based on his character and not our behavior. How many times have I said that? I hope I've said that so often by now that you just finished the sentence. You're like, I already know where he's going. God's love is based on his character and not our behavior. God does not love us when we obey and hate us when we sin. God loves you, period, fully, finally, completely. Sinfulness, brokenness, regret, addiction. God loves you in spite of it all. So you might think to yourself, okay, well, if that's true, then why do I need to obey at all, right? Like if God just loves me and he's gonna forgive me and his grace covers anything and everything I might do, why not just let me do what I wanna do and trust that God loves me anyway? Well, Paul explains why. As he wraps up this passage here in Galatians chapter number five, he explains why you should and why you should trust in God's love and be obedient to him. Look at what this passage says here, verses 19 through 23. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Basically what it says, if you choose to ignore the voice of the Spirit, if you choose to walk in time and tempo with all these other voices that are constantly speaking over you and pulling you away from where God wants you to go, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Your life is characterized by things like sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Can we pause there for a sec? Harry Potter, what's this guy talking about? Interestingly enough, if you read this and you look at the original Greek word here, because this letter was originally written in Greek, when you look at the Greek word that we've translated into sorcery, the Greek word is actually pharmakoia, pharmacy. That's where the root word of that comes from, or the idea of drugs, the idea of an altered state so that we could deal with the pressures of life. So I don't know, maybe it means sorcery, or maybe it means something that you're battling through right now. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all other sins like these. 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, Paul says, that anyone living that sort of life cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking, calling, guiding. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what will characterize your life if you can learn to hear God's voice, if you can learn to believe God's voice, if you could learn to obey God's voice. These are the things that would be true of your existence. Who wouldn't love a marriage full of faithfulness? Like, wouldn't it be great to say, I don't have any doubt that my spouse is going to remain faithful to me because they are empowered by God's spirit in the area of faithfulness. Who wouldn't want a house full of kids that grow up knowing how to be patient? Not just because you're great at teaching them patience, but because you've taught them to listen to and to obey the voice of the spirit that produces a supernatural patience in their lives. Who wouldn't love a church full of joy? You want to come to a boring church? I don't want to come to a boring church. That was dead. Jeez, I ain't going back there. No, we want to come to a place that's full of life where people are being transformed, where the kingdom is moving and stuff is happening. That's the kind of church that we want and it's produced by following the leadership of the spirit. Wouldn't you want a a relationship with God that was characterized by love? Not doubt, not fear, not anger, not bitterness, but true mutual love? I mean, who wouldn't want those things? And I'm telling you guys, it's possible if we can obey the Spirit instead of our sinful desires. I'm going to read you one more verse and we're done, I promise. Galatians chapter number 5, verse 25. Paul says this. Look at this verse. Since we are living by the Spirit, how are we living? By the Spirit, according to the Spirit's voice. Listening, following Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. There's some of you, and you know God speaks to you. You've heard his voice since you were a little kid. You believe what he says is true, but man, there are some parts of your life and you're just like, if I'm honest, I haven't been obeying, I haven't been following the guidance of the Holy Spirit in this part of my life. And it could be something small, it could be something quite a bit larger. Maybe it's your health. Like you know you've been making decisions that are compromising the future that God has for you because you're just not taking care of yourself. And your doctor has said, you've got to quit smoking. You are going to die, fool. And your wife has said, stop pouring salt on your bacon. It doesn't need any more salt. You know you need to make decisions to take care of the temple of God you've been given. And you've been putting it off and you haven't been obedient in this area of your life. Today's the time. You say, you know what? I'm going to start being obedient in every area of my life, including my health. Maybe it's about time management for you. Maybe you've said yes to so many things, so many good things even, that you can't say yes to the great things of God. You're just too busy. You're like, oh, I know I should be doing this and I should be going to church more and I should serve or do this, but who's got time for all that? Well, maybe you need to adjust and readdress and, and submit and obey God when it comes to your time management. I went through a period where I had to really examine the way that I was using my time. The other day, my wife looked at me and she said, Dan, have you ever spent like eight hours in a row playing video games? I'm like, eight hours in a row? Like what Saturday didn't I spend eight hours in a row playing video games? 
And when I became a pastor, I was like, you know what? My time management is completely out of whack. My life is out of balance. I don't have any time left for God because I'm doing all these other stupid things that in the end don't really matter. So I had to adjust. I had to submit. I had to obey. Maybe you need to do the same thing. Perhaps it's in your thought life. Maybe you're carrying around a grudge against somebody. You cannot let go. You want to let go, but you haven't been able to. And you know that it's poisoning your soul, your mind, your relationships. It's time that you are obedient. You follow the Holy Spirit's leading even in this part of your life. Maybe it's about sexual purity. Like God calls us to a standard in which we save ourselves for our spouse. We do our best to live a life that allows us true intimacy with the people that we love. And it's just time that you submit this area of your life to God. You obey the Spirit's leading. I know you're like, nobody does that, Dan. It's 2019, bro. There's not a single person on the planet that's choosing to follow the sexual ethic of the Bible. That's not true. I'm doing premarital counseling with a couple right now. And they said, you know what? We made the decision that some of the things we have been doing were wrong. We're gonna start doing them right until we get married. We're not sleeping together anymore. People are choosing to follow the Spirit's leading in their life because they know it's good. They know it's helpful. They know it's healthy. Maybe you've been putting off joining a group or serving. You're making excuses. It's time that you follow the Spirit's leading in every area of your life. So I'll close with this prayer. And I want you to echo this prayer. In fact, there's going to be a fill-in-the-blank moment in this prayer. And I want you to insert into that blank whatever it is that you know needs to go there. Can I pray over you? God, I'm just going to confess. I haven't followed the Spirit's leading in every area of my life. Today, I admit that I need the Spirit's power to overcome this. And I want you to put your issue, your sin, your temptation, your addiction, I want you to put it in the blank. Today, I admit I need the Spirit's help to finally overcome this. With your help, God, I will, obe I will be obedient in this area. If you could start to do that every single day, man, you would experience breakthrough after breakthrough. If you would learn to hear the voice of God amidst all the noise in your life, if you would learn to believe that the way God is directing you is the best possible way, and if you would choose to obey what God says, I promise you, you would experience life in a way that you never understood was possible before this life overflowing that Jesus promises to every single one of us. And it happens when you choose to hear, when you choose to believe, and when you choose to obey the Spirit of God. It's calling you to walk in tempo with who he's making you into, what he wants to do in you and through you in our world.